Set your mind on things above with Taken, a metaphysical fantasy audio drama. He wanted a cure. He found the creator. Chapter 12 Gates of Sheol Moloch clawed his way through the winding tunnel, grunting as he scraped away bits of rock in his haste. Lord L will be most pleased with our progress, eh, Tamuro? Pleased is too small a word for such an occasion. Tamuro kept in step with Moloch's fast pace, but lagged a few strides behind. Yes, our master will grant us our kingdoms now. It is well within our grasp. So why are you dragging your feet? Moloch asked. You know how he is when we delay. Sorry, your ongoing transformation is too hazardous for me, Tumuro complained. Just last eve, I got this blistering welt thanks to your freshly appearing talents and on my tail end of all places. Well, no pain, no rain. Moloch repeated the cliché to comfort himself. Besides, soon everything will return to normal, right? I suppose these temporary setbacks are a small price to pay. Tamuro stifled a chuckle, but not before he gawked at the latest development, although some of us are paying more than others. What did you say? Moloch stopped. It doesn't matter, Moloch, really. Tamuro straightened his face. But just so we're clear, I was the one who inspired Samjaza. I will be the first in bringing the glad tidings. When Lord L asks for the news, I will go forward. Not so, Tamuro, not so, Moloch said, surprised at his raspy voice. After all, I intervened when you blundered the attack on Tubalcan, he added, not slowing his gait. The tunnel was darker now, almost pitch black. The rising light from the surface was far away, and he was glad the painful rays of this forsaken land would not torment him any longer. Once the dangerous beams of the morning sun were swallowed by the encroaching cave walls, Moloch slowed and spoke again. Had I not redirected our company to the Seti of Adama, we would not have escaped unscathed. A trick of randomness may have inspired you, Tamuro said as he seized the spindly tail and forced Moloch to face him. But do not be deceived. It was my cunning and forethought that led us to that watchersome Jaza and the sons of Cain. Had I not perceived they were ripe for the taking, there would be no glad tidings at all now with there. Tamuro didn't wait for an answer. Instead, he squeezed Moloch's tail with all his strength until Moloch quivered uncontrollably under his grip. Tamuro released him with disdain producing a glimmering sword, and held it at Moloch's neck. I wonder what would replace that pretty head of yours if you were to have an unfortunate accident. Moloch glowered. Hatred and cool concentration flooded his mind. Tamuro may have outmaneuvered me this time, but I am patient. Very well, Tamuro, Moloch said, allowing his voice to tremble. It is as you wish. Moloch stepped aside and let Tamuro take the lead. They walked in silence. Moloch could hear the heavy steps of their troop catching up. The intense heat of the caverns beneath the surface engulfed him. Heavy waves of sulfuric steam rose from the depths beyond and drifted up to the tunnel ceiling, which became increasingly higher as they traveled deeper into the darkness of Sheol. The shock of the intense blackness of the caves no longer bothered him as it once had. Somehow his eyes could discern shades and shadows. Even in the absence of light, he could make out Tamuro's form clearly, about two paces ahead. The others, the lessers, had not adjusted as well. They groveled and groped and stumbled into walls often, whining about their new abode constantly, 
Give us light! Give us light! They had demanded of Lord Ill. Moloch stifled a chuckle as he remembered his master's response. He'd grabbed the closest lesser and sent him sprawling into the boiling liquid lake in the heart of Sheol. The maimed, screeching figure that arose from that pool terrified some, but others were infuriated. News of a revolt spread throughout. It was I, Moloch, who told Lord L. about the uprising and suggested the torches as a concession. He ignored the flick of the torches lining the walls of the broad path being lit. Had I not provided counsel to the great leader, Lord L., these weaklings would have surely rebelled. And now this upstart to mural thinks he can— Moloch stopped suddenly. The dim, fiery glow provided just enough illumination to cast large shadows on the wall. A disturbing figure stood before him. It was upright with legs like a man. Slick, ebony fur covered it completely except for the talon-lined tail. But the head startled him most. Gone were the gracious features of the benign Elohim, and their place was the elongated nose of a wolf and the ears of a bull. Ah! Malik bit back a startled gasp. His new reality chilled him in spite of the unbearable heat. He remembered. That night, in the wood of Avonland Forest, he assumed the form of a wolf. Lord L. had said the possession would do no harm. Then again, he had used the dactyl at the cliffs just outside the Forbidden Garden. The great leader had assured him the effects on his figure were temporary. No harm, eh? Well, just let that Tamuro go first. Moloch snarled under his breath. It will give me time. Demurel stood in the Grand Hall, waiting for Moloch and the others to catch up. Your preparations are shaping up nicely. Demurel complimented a supervisor in passing. What do you think of our wall, he asked. Lord L. was right. Towering pillars hewn from the stone wall were lined with intricate carvings depicting the Great Revolution. Demurel stared at the ongoing construction and nodded his head with satisfaction. The lessers do need something to inspire them to boost their morale. The newly fashioned gates did lend a certain quality of grandeur, reminiscent of those other gates rarely mentioned now, except in hushed tones when they were sure Lord L. could not hear them. How wise of the great leader to keep the lessers busy with the trivial work of transforming the winding tunnels and caverns into a worthy abode. A group of lessers carrying heavy bars molded into tightly woven criss-cross patterns trudged down the path to the lower realms. Tamural shuddered. No one wanted to go to the lower realms. But as Lord L. had said, someone has to do it, and it might as well be those who have proved themselves unworthy of greater tasks. He did wonder why they needed so many of those bars, and all those rooms, well, more like holes. Were they necessary? But now that I have caused a great victory, surely Lord L. will promote me to the powers. I'll be able to come and go as I please. I'll be in on the plans for our next battle. I'll... Tamural watched Moloch's loathsome figure saunter into the great hall, followed by a few commanders, a squadron of soldiers, and a couple of lessers they had carried along for menial tasks. You would think that fool would learn some humility by now. How dare he raise his head to glower at me? Tamural whipped out his blazing sword again. Remember, Moloch, just stay back or I'll rip that dog head of yours off. Tamural called a smooth voice dripping with warmth. I do appreciate your enthusiasm, but you must watch that temper of yours. Oh, Tamural spun around quickly and bowed. Lord L, do forgive me, I didn't see. No need to explain, Tamural, the great leader answered with a wave of his hand. 
All is forgiven. I take it you two have good news. Well, actually, Lord L, it is I who bring glad tidings, Tamurel said, stepping forward as he cast a warning glance Moloch's way. Do tell, my loyal Tamurel, have my plans wrought their purpose. They have indeed, Lord L, you are most wise. Our encounter with the humans worked a most interesting result on two fronts. Go on, Tamurel, the great leader walked toward Moloch and looked him over with a curious stare. We infiltrated the city of Nod at a most opportune time, too. The one called Lamech was in a fine mood, just suited for our purpose, and that watchersome Jaza, whom you know very well, has demonstrated his reasoning plainly. Tamuro paused with excitement. Lord L, Samjaza is exercising his freedom. He has taken on human form and all the others with him. That is fine news indeed, Tamuro. Not that I'm surprised. No, I knew it, expected it. Surely I planned it all along. I had my sights set on Captain Samjaza for quite some time. I knew he was too smart to stay in bondage to the Beloved. That's why I shared the treachery of the Beloved with him. I told him of the Beloved's plan to annihilate us through these human beasts. But I shared the good news with him, my plan of salvation for the Elohim who would receive it. Tell me, Tamuro, Lord L asked as he approached him and stopped inches away from his face. Did he convince that idiot Lamech to cooperate? Tamuro knew the only answer Lord L would accept, and fortunately he didn't have to lie about it this time. Oh, yes, indeed, my lord. I was the one who inspired Samjaza to go forth with boldness. I was unrelenting in my persuasion and influence. I told him of the beloved's treachery repeatedly, bombarding him until he had to see reason. Finally, he did see the truth. Of course he did, Tamuro. The great leader strolled over to one of the powers and grabbed his gleaming weapon. Now tell me, was a union consummated because those were your orders, if my memory serves me correctly? Lord L. wrapped the tall weapon against the stone floor like a staff as he approached Tamuril. Oh, well, actually, I'm not sure. Tamuril, are you telling me one of my best warriors, who I have called and chosen to perform the simplest of tasks, doesn't know? Lord L. pointed the blade toward Tamuril's throat. Well, no, I, I mean to say, Tamuril stammered. Lord L., if you please. Moloch interjected in a low tone. I believe I can be of some service to you here. Good. I'm glad all my soldiers have not succumbed to utter foolishness. Please speak, Lord L said calmly as he continued to hold the blade against Tamuro's throat. My lord, while Tamuro was wasting his time frolicking among the humans and doing that which was unnecessary, for indeed, my lord, you had already convinced some jaws of the truth, and his blabbering was not needed. I, Moloch, ensured the union went forth. I did convince the woman called Nema to submit to Samjaza. In fact, she was quite enraptured by him after I got finished with her. Feeble mind. You can be sure, my lord, that Captain Samjaza of the Elohim and the woman are, as the humans say, husband and wife. Excellent. This is praiseworthy news indeed, the great leader said as he forced Tamuro down to the ground with his blade. Although I must say, Moloch, you have seen better days. There's so much hair about you I wouldn't know if you were coming or going. If it weren't for that humongous nose on you, Lord L laughed. As if on cue, a multitude of principles, powers, rulers, and lessers began cackling wildly. Moloch seemed unmoved by the jeers, so common now. Tamuro focused on the dirt and willed himself to be still. Moloch's response might get him out of this one. Moloch clenched a short dagger polished to perfection and almost hidden in his hairy hands. Lord L, you are the cause of this atrocity. How dare you mock me?
Moloch looked as if he would wipe the smug smile off the great leader's face if he took one step closer. Now, now, Moloch, Lord L said as he pressed the tip of the blade slowly into Tamuriel's neck. Put that silly dagger down. I'm just having a bit of fun with you, eh? There's no need to be so sensitive. After all, this revolution has left its mark on us all, myself included. Grunts and moans filled the great hall as rulers and lessers alike agreed. Arms lifted showing maimed wings, burns and boils plenteous on the once perfect figures. But my comrades, my faithful, the great leader said, lifting his voice for all to hear. Your condition is only temporary. Yes, we are bruised. Yes, we are battered. But our pain unites us and makes us one. It is a reminder of our great purpose, and for that I suffer them gladly. Lord L dropped the blade from Tamuro's neck and flew swiftly to the highest ledge in the cavern. I will restore your former glory. Lord L suddenly burst into brilliant light and filled the cavern with the familiar golden hues of that other place. Even as we speak, I am preparing new bodies for you, bodies that can live in this world and partake of its pleasures. Once again, you will taste sweet flavors and experience the cool breeze. You will laugh with pleasure and sing for joy. But this time, this time you will do it without the bondage of that cruel usurper, the beloved, and the foolishness of the great laws. No, this time you will be free. The leaders and lessers cheered with glee. Anami followed the girl Tafara closely. She's fast for human, especially the womankind. Her father had warned her several times to stay with the group, but when Father Seth wasn't looking, she darted ahead of the party. Stay with the girl, Azam told him sternly. The other watchers can aid me. Just make sure no harm comes to her. Anami was about to ask Azam if one of those other watchers could go instead, but seeing the set look on Azam's face, he quickly hid his disappointment and caught up with the girl. Now here he was, trudging nimbly behind Tafara over the rocky path she'd taken, away from the others. Great, I get to trail this woman, who is barely more than a childling, while Azam gets to have all the adventure. Tafara jumped from rock to rock, down, down, down the winding trail. I do hope Nema as well. Father and Enoch were moving as slow as tortoises. She leaped across the wide crevice to a large boulder at least two lengths away, landing perfectly. Perhaps sleep had protected their kin from the presence of the fallen. But who would protect Nema from Lamech? Not Tubalcon. He would do anything to gain his father's approval. Tafara jumped again, aiming for another large stone jutting out of the rocky path. Not even Nema's mother will try to stop Lamech's cruelty. No, I will make sure she's well. Anami hopped easily from rock to rock, duplicating Tafara's steps. I say, this is sporting. At least she knows how to have a little fun. But she really should slow down. Tafara moved faster now that she could see the valley below and nestled neatly within it the seti of Adama. Tafara took one last leap toward a large boulder fixed firmly at the edge of the cliff, stretching out her lean legs toward the target, her right foot connected, but before she could plant her left down beside it, she heard the unmistakable sound of gravel sliding. The rock teetered. Tafara's arms flailed wildly about as she tried to regain her balance. Oh, father! Tafara lurched backwards to counteract the forward motion of the rock. She was too late. She felt the stone slip away from her feet, leaving her nowhere to go but down. Ah! Tafara fell forward and squeezed her eyes shut and opened them again. Tafara stared over the cliff in disbelief. She was hovering somehow over the edge. What? She reached back, twisting her head over her shoulder. Wait! There was nothing there. How? 
Tafara landed soundly on her backside and looked up at the gentle blue of the firmament overhead. She breathed deeply to calm her heart, which was still pounding in her chest. What just happened? Surely the Ancient One has favored me today. Anami rested too as he laid flat on his back beside Tafara. Yes, he has favored you, but a simple thank you will do. You really should be more careful next time. I should be more careful next. No! A blood-curdling scream echoed from the valley. Tafara crouched on the ledge, searching for the source, listening. That sounded like... Tafara inched toward the edge of the cliff, moving silently on her belly. She peered over the edge. That's Nema. That's some Jaza. Anami scowled as the Elohim picked up a young girl and carried her toward a tent. She struggled helplessly against Captain Samjaza. What is he doing? Tafara grabbed a stone and reared back, aiming for Samjaza. In mid-arc, something grabbed her arm. It felt as if a thousand ants marched up her limbs and down her spine. I swear a hand touched me. Tafara froze. Something is here. She stared straight ahead at the valley, too afraid to look right or left. At least a dozen or more Elohim moved into the clearing. Tafara shuddered with relief. If she had harmed Simjaza, the other Elohim, all equipped with bow and arrow, would surely have struck her down. Tafara shivered, though the breeze was slight and warm, squinting as she searched the sky. Only powdery clouds bathing in the sun stared back. She searched below. All was quiet in the green valley, except for Nema's heart-wrenching cries. Very well, then, hide if you will. I may be a woman, but I'm no fool. I know you are there, so whatever you are, thank you. Anami stood behind the girl, shaking his head in disbelief. His comrades, some of them friends, were breaking every oath. He looked at the human girl beside him with new respect. The dainty figure still had her weapon ready. I was wrong. All the adventure is with this one. This concludes this chapter of Taken, a metaphysical fantasy audio drama. If you enjoyed this excerpt and just can't wait for the next chapter, download Taken ebook through Amazon Kindle and read it for free with Amazon Prime. Also, please check back for upcoming chapters of Taken on this podcast. Remember, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Please share this uplifting read with your friends and get ready to soar. Thank you again for listening and may the favor of the Ancient One be on you.